0: On the show today, I'm joined by not one, but two very special guests, both from the world of voice acting. First up is Trina Nishimara, who is best known for her work on Attack on Titan. Then, I'm joined by Chris Parson, who's best known for Rango and the Overwatch games. It's going to be a great episode, but don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and I couldn't be more excited to have Trina and Chris on the show today. Now, we're going to hear from Trina first. Now, I did both of these interviews on a uh, a phone, um, and for whatever reason, there was an issue, not at my end, but over at the other end, where you'll hear a slight humming or hissing. Um, Now, I've tried to reduce that as much as possible, and I have been assured that for future phone interviews uh, done like this, that will be rectified. But um, hopefully it won't get in the way of your enjoyment because they are great interviews. But I did just want to forewarn you about that little problem. But uh, I'm very happy to have Trina up first today. She's going to talk to us about not only her uh, work and in the upcoming season of Attack on Titan, but also about why she loves conventions and there's a really heartfelt reason behind that. So it was lovely to talk with her and here's that chat now with Trina Nishimara, enjoy. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining me today. Well thank you so much for having me. Now, how did you decide to pursue a career in the performing arts industry?
1: Uh, So, when I was a very, very young child. Um, I loved plays, and I loved movies, and I loved cartoons, and it was everything to me. Um, I would mimic uh, commercials on television. I would pretend that I was giving a show. Um, I would stand on the fireplace and sing songs to my family, which... Uh, my siblings begrudgingly watched. Um, and uh, it was something that just really made me happy. Uh, some of my first journals as a child said that I wanted to be, uh, I, I said that I wanted to be an actor because it combined playing pretend and singing and dancing, and that's all I ever wanted to be. Um, and so I am fortunate enough that uh, with some work and uh, training and um, sacrifice I am now a performer uh, full-time and that's pretty much it I guess Uh, I don't think there was ever really I mean I I thought about rendering other professions but this is really I mean this is it this is what makes me the happiest and most fulfilled and this is all I want so that's why I guess
0: And what kind of training did you do to ensure you had the necessary skill set to be able to do this professionally?
1: Uh, so I started performing, or uh, I started auditioning with a uh, community theater when I was nine years old and touring uh, with the company at 13. Um, and I guess a lot of it was uh, in the moment, on the job sort of stuff. And then um, there was a lot of theater uh, and stuff in high school, while I was in high school. And um, it's it's been an amazing an amazing journey with a lot of really fantastic uh, mentors and teachers. Uh, I think my most important um, influencer as far as performance goes would have to be uh, my forensics coach in high school, uh, Connie McKee. She um, really believed in me and gave me the, the kind of tough criticism that I needed Um, and the tough love at times that I needed. And she really just uh, helped to train me in such a way that um, I understood that this was a hard profession and that if it's really something that meant that much to me, that I'm the one that would have to do the work. And it's, it's been amazing.
0: Well, it is such a wonderful industry to work in. But tell me, when you go through a period of not getting jobs and not having that work, how do you keep yourself motivated to keep doing up to, you know, hundreds of auditions?
1: Um, I've been very fortunate uh, that uh, my uh, work is pretty steady and fulfilling. Uh, That's not always the case for a lot of actors. Um, It's when when you do though, I mean, inevitably have a lull in acting. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of my time is poured into my own personal pursuits, as far as um, things that I'm passionate about uh, in acting or in performance or um, in other avenues. Um, so I, you know, if I if I'm not um, getting paid to perform then I find other ways to perform and other avenues um, to explore and build as a performer on my skill set or my uh, the places I find that I'm lacking. Um, and I am really lucky to have so many amazing people in my life that are so supportive and are like-minded and, you know, um, will helped me uh, in various ways to find the proper avenue to, uh, you know, grow as an artist.
0: Absolutely. Now, you talked about starting in theatre, but you're best known for your voice acting work. Is there a whole lot of difference in how you approach a theatrical project compared to a voice acting project?
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, With theatre, I mean, everything is very... Uh, I mean, you have so many more tools for lack of a better term at your disposal, right? You have your face and you have timing and you may have music if it's a musical and you have, uh, people to play off of and you have costumes and you have lighting and you have sets, um, and you have microphones (laughs) and you have, uh, dancers sometimes. And, and it's so much more, uh, it's so much bigger, right? Um, and the first time, uh, because I was theatrically trained, the first time I got into a sound booth and uh, had to perform, it was a very different experience because, uh, especially with dubbing, um, because you don't get to choose breaks and you, you know, figuring out how to make something come across, but still matching the mouse flap uh, is, is a very uh, tricky thing to navigate and takes... A lot of time to figure out but um, initially. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different beast altogether. And I love, I mean, any kind of performance I adore and live for and, and makes me happy. But um, they're very good.
0: <laughs> of course. Now, you are best known perhaps for Attack on Titan, which is returning for a third season in July. What can you tell Yay! us about the upcoming season?
1: I can tell you that it's being released in July. I can tell you that um, it—we are all very, everybody is very excited that it has not taken as long as season two took to come out. Um, but we are really, really stoked. Um, this season three is gearing up to be more of. Um, an exploration of uh, societal conflict and um, it's really exciting um, to kind of peel back some of the layers and look behind the curtain to use several metaphors for no reason um, to kind of uh, explore the world and the motivations of so many of its characters in a different way and it's going to be pretty,
0: pretty fun. It sounds like it. And as I said, that show has a lot of fans. And you are actually coming to meet some of those fans at Supernova, Sydney, (laughs) and Perth. Why do you love doing conventions?
1: Um, I love conventions because they're the happiest place in the world. Um, I love doing conventions because when I was a little kid, um and a theater nerd I was bullied a lot and um it was hard it was hard to grow up in a a place where my passions and the things that I loved were considered nerdy like comic books when I was a kid were nerdy and um you know theater when I was a kid was dumb and singing was weird and dressing differently was strange and um dressing up was weird and um I guess I apply a lot of those pressures uh, that I experience to kids today um, or adults today. I mean, just people in general. Um, But at conventions, you know, you can be anybody. And you can be yourself or you can be your favorite superhero or you can be, you know, just some guy in a big bubble suit and nobody judges you and nobody's needing you and nobody's hateful. I've seen people at conventions, I've met kids at conventions that, you know, saved up their entire year's allowance and worked odd jobs to wait in line for five hours to get in and then wait in line for two hours just to shake my hand. And I am incredibly humbled and so very grateful. And those kids show up and they're like, I'm by myself and I just really wanted to be here. And then some other kids behind them or in front of them hear them say that and say, hey, I'm John or I'm Susan or I'm Tiffany and you're not alone. And if you want to be with some people, we're going to go and see this panel when you come with us. And just the amount of care and love and acceptance at conventions is some of the most Uh, beautiful interactions uh, that I have ever been fortunate enough to witness and I I just can't imagine a place happier than convention and if I mean if the whole world was like that right like if the whole world saw a kid that was alone and said hey you can come with us or if the whole world saw somebody that was different um, and said hey that's rad that you look different Or if the whole world just said, you know what, we're going to wait in line for five hours and it's hot out here or cold out here, but we're doing it together and that's okay. Um, I just feel like it would be a very different world. And so it's like this microcosm of a utopian society that I
0: am fortunate enough to be able to witness. It certainly sounds Absolutely wonderful when you when you phrase it like that. Would there be anyone from your childhood who you'd like to if you could go back have that opportunity to meet in a convention like environment?
1: Yeah. I mean I would I would um, I completely idolized Shirley Simple when I was a child. I thought she was like the coolest human being on the face of the earth and the things that she went through as an actor, not great. Uh, but, I mean, if I had the chance to sit down and, and meet her, or if I had the chance to, oh, my God, uh, now I'm, like, freaking out. Like, if I could have, uh, if I could have met Nat King Cole, because when I was little, I really loved Nat King Cole, and I still do, um, or if I could have met Frank Sinatra, or if I could have met Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, I mean, my life would have been made, oh, that would have been so epic. Uh, Fred Astaire... I already said, oh my gosh, now I'm just like, <laughs> people. Um, it would have, I mean, if I could have had the chance to meet any of my childhood idols, uh, if I would have saved up my money all year, and I would have waited in line for five, six, ten, 82 hours just to shake their hand, uh, it would have been amazing.
0: Well, I know a lot of fans are going to be so eager to meet you at Sydney. <laughs> yeah, Sydney yeah nice segue there right Sydney <laughs> supernova it was good it was really good thank you uh, and you're there along with amazing other guests such as uh, Stephen Amell and uh, Brandon Ralph and Chuck Norris and Richard Dreyfuss and uh, and, and me as well I'll, I'll be there all weekend Yay. so it's going to be fantastic I'm, I'm really cool. looking forward to it thank you so much for your time today
1: thank you and I appreciate it so much and I look forward to meeting you
0: that was my chat with Trina Nishimara. Now, here's my interview with Chris Parson. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today, Chris.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Now, what inspired you to pursue a career in acting? Um, well, it
2: was really something that, um, I, I, was, I was a student at, at USC, and I was, I was going to their uh, school of cinema television now, called the School of Cinematic Arts. And um, I had a, um, a wonderful girlfriend at the time who said, you know, I mean, the critical study stuff, yeah, is great, but you should keep doing voice acting because you do a lot of voices with me. And um, so that was, that was, I thought, well, maybe she's right, actually. So I, I um, you know, one day uh, sort of an opportunity presented itself and um, the rest of my life really changed because of that.
0: Now you started with the small parts on Family Guy and the Cleveland show. How did those roles eventuate? Because those shows are both quite iconic.
2: No, absolutely. Um, well, that's kind of where I started my like professional, professional career. You know, um, like the, the kind where they give you a card to carry around. Um, because I had done other stuff before that, um, just sort of like non-union little spots here and there. I kind of cut my teeth with that, but you know, um, no, I, I, I had to join the union because of Family Guy and um, Spiderwick Chronicles, which were the same, which worked on the same week. And Spiderwick Chronicles was like doing creature voices and stuff for that one, because um, it involved creatures. Yeah.
0: And what's your preparation process for doing a recording session? How do you create a voice?
2: Um, well, it de- I mean, it depends wildly on what it is. Um, really, uh, if you are if you're called in to do um, like I did some work on this movie called The Unborn, I think it was from like 2009, uh, where I had to make some a, a person or a creature make its head spin around, and that's really like a combination of of, of me, Yuri Lowenthal and Roger Craig Smith, uh, who are all wonderful voice actors. And that's just the kind of thing, like, okay, well, we're getting called in because we could do a lot of the... You know, those kinds of throat-gurgling, twisting sort of weird sounds. So one of it is that you already... They're casting for people that, okay, well, we know you can handle it, so... Um, But you just got to know what you're in for. Um, If you're recording a commercial... For television or something, you might be there for a while because you're going to mix and match, and so you have to have the sort of wherewithal to stay in the same sort of energy. And and um, but I guess you asked me like, how do you find the voice? A lot of that is that 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 you're you're just you're cast, and they just go, "We just love what you did. Just do what you did." That's a lot of it. Not all the time, but that's a lot of it.
0: So I think there was one film uh, where you voiced seven different characters. Within that film, how did you make sure that every character you voiced sounded different enough so the audiences wouldn't make that connection back to you as an actor?
2: Uh, well, I would uh, cross my fingers, right? Um, that that was uh, that was Rango, and that was that's all because of, of you know the wonderful of Verbinski, and um, he was just able to direct because see, with Rango, we shot that for real. Um, albeit with like high definition cameras. Um, but that was really to get the detail for ILM to animate to what we were doing on the stage. Cause we were on stage 42 at universal. Um, and Gore was just directing it like, you know, like a real movie. But to me, it felt like a seventh grade stage play, you know, because we were all in these, like, you know, we weren't like dressed in real costumes and stuff. We were just, <laughs> we were there in just normal sort of garb. um, but it was really Gore, I have to say, who, who was, and those were tiny little parts, but he he was, he's just such a, a talented director that he knows what to do and he knows how to, you know, tilt it over here like this, your voice, you know, okay, and follow that. Um, so they, they were really nice on that movie to give me credit for all those little, little parts. It was really nice of them.
0: So would you say that Gore has been your favorite director to work with thus far?
2: I mean, he's certainly in the Hall of fame. i mean how how could he not be? Um, you know uh, Rango for me was like qu- quite a while ago, but i I still have fond memories of him because it because there was really so much to it. we were all there, and it was a very group of actors. Um, so he he you know he's a big part of of, of he's, he's why I have that experience. Um, but you know, Amanda Wyatt was great. Andrea Romano, uh, Andrea Tobias, great. The, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Not that I think of it. Um, but they would be. They'd be some of the people that are in the Hall of Fame.
0: Absolutely. Now, yeah, now you've done a lot of video game work as well. Now a lot of other voice actors on the show have complained about how vocally strenuous that can be. Do you find video games challenging?
2: Um, it, it can be challenging vocally, but it, it like in the case of something like, like junk rat, junk rat can be just maybe a little bit more physical because I try to put, you know, I try to really move around when I'm doing it, um, but still in a way that where you, you know can properly mic the performance. Um, but st- vocally stressful, there have been a few of those. Some of the war games, you know where you're calling out to the things like, the, you know, if you're in the middle of combat, scream. Okay. All right. You know, that's going to be a bit of a workout, but t- typically those things are saved until the end of a performer uh, until the end of the session. I mean, and you know, you'll just do one or two quick takes and don't, you know, um, but then I guess part of it is that you have to know how to make it sound intense and, Oh man, I like could earth shattering but it's not hurting yourself so I guess that's another part of it too and um, um, I don't know how to I don't know, I don't know how to teach that but but um, but uh, that's something that's worth practicing you know, make it sound stressful but not have it be stressful at all I guess is the, is the shorter
0: way of putting it Yeah and obviously you're constantly in work so do you have any tricks or tips on how to keep yourself vocally healthy?
2: Um that's a, that, that's a, that's a good question. I'm not, I'm not sure I've figured it out myself. Um, you know, because I, I, I'm lucky enough to go to conventions and things and it seems like I'm fighting off some sort of like minor cold or this or that. Um, so, sometimes you can get hired because of a cold. So no, but, but it sounds like I'm, I'm saying that, yeah, have a cold constantly. It'll help your bottom line. No kidding. Um, but I would say, you know, uh, Eat properly, get plenty of rest, things like that, plenty of water, uh, maybe avoid, uh, uh, sodas and, uh, uh, you know, milk products before you have a session, you know, and then, um, maybe arrive at the session maybe about 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes before the session. I know it feels like a lot, but it can just help you calm down as well and I'll be getting the right workspace, space rather than, oh man, you're, you're racing across to, you know, to beat some sort of traffic thing and you're getting there with five minutes time that can kind of affect your performance as, as well. So, um, I know it kind of sounds silly, but, um, but those are things that I would recommend um, being mindful of.
0: Absolutely. Now, you've been working in the entertainment industry for quite a while now. How do you think the industry has, evol- has evolved since you first started working?
2: Well, I would say that there's a lot more, there certainly seems to be a lot more avenues for content. Um, that's, the, that's the biggest change. Um, and, and certainly, digital delivery has changed everything. Um, Back in the late um, 1990s, when I was a, a much younger uh, a man, uh, you know, you could shoot on 16 millimeter and then maybe blow that up to 35 and show that theatrically. But then that cost a lot of money, you know. Um, it cost tens of thousands to do that. And now you have cameras that, I mean, you can shoot what Soderbergh shot uh, unsane with, a an iPhone. Uh, uh, and it, you know, looks pretty good. So yeah, that's, that's like kind of an unspeakable, like sort of change. Like how do you I'm not sure how you go from, from one to the other, but, uh, <clears throat> it, it's walls came crashing down, but there's always going to be, you know, the content itself. Is it good enough? Um, and that's, I think, you know, some of the words, it's easier to get anything, but is the work is the work any better? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I mean, I I think there's more content out there now, which isn't necessarily a great thing because often mm-hmm. the, the really good stuff gets lost, and you have to dig for it, and it doesn't get the acclaim that it may deserve. But then there are certain artists that now have a platform that would never have had a platform before, and their work is really good. So we may not have got to have seen that without some of these, you know, Netflix, Stan, uh, Hulu. Right. So it's a very mixed bag. I mean, you know, going back 10, 15 years, this show wouldn't have existed. There would have been Mm -hmm. no real way for this to be broadcast worldwide. You know, it could have been on radio in one country. We've got listeners in, in 37 countries. So there's definitely sure. pros, absolutely, but I think yeah, the, the overwhelming quantity of content can actually also be a negative.
2: Yeah, you're 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 right, and and it's kind of all boils down to one thing. You know, uh, you can be looking through Netflix or or whatever, not to pick up on Netflix, but you know, it, you can just see uh, it, it's a it's a still, and then the title of the movie, and you're kind of going. Hmm. In the end, we're all going to be, you know, that's still in the title of the movie. And, um, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, are they going to pick your movie to watch? You know, um, it's there, there's more content than ever, but now there's going to be more, more of a battle for, you know, who has the the lion's share of it. So, um, might just be business as usual, but just with a new technology.
0: Very true. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Now, you are appearing at Supernova, Sydney and Perth in June to talk about your eclectic body of work. Is there anyone you're looking forward to meeting at the con?
2: Uh, you know, honestly, I, 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 I was asked this before, and I, I just, for me, to to just be back in Australia after, like, 30-plus years uh, is... is I'll, I'll take that. Um, that's really what I'm, what I, what I'm looking forward to the most, but just, so everything on top of that is like just gravy really and truly, you know, um, that's, that's like the, that's like the best answer I could, I could give. I think I'm just looking forward to seeing the, uh, you know, the Australian people again and, and yeah, everything on top of that is gravy.
0: Well, fair enough. I know that Australia is looking forward to having you back at Supernova, Sydney and Perth in June. You're there along with a range of other guests, including Stephen Amell and Chuck Norris and Brandon Routh and uh, even me. So it's it's a great lineup. It's going to be a lot of fun. Chris, thank you so much for your time today and uh, look forward to seeing you here in Australia.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: That was my chat with the lovely Chris Parson. And as I mentioned, you can see both of these amazing voice actors at Supernova Comic Con and Gaming Expo. And I will be there as a guest MC. So I'll be interviewing all these other guests on the stage. It's going to be fantastic. That's coming up, uh, not, not this coming week, but next week. So that means from June 15th to the 17th, You can find Supernova in Sydney and then from the 22nd to the 24th, you can find us in Perth. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it so much. And a link to Supernova's website where you can buy tickets is in the show notes. Now, as always, an incredible thanks to our supporters, Palace Nova Cinemas and Mad Zombie Collectibles. You can check out Mad Zombie Collectibles on Facebook online and Palace Nova is also available. You can check out the website with a whole lot of movie times and tickets and all that kind of stuff online and you can check out my reviews of some of the latest films thanks to Palace online in the movie review section of the website. Well I've been your host Benjamin May McKay we're going to have another couple of exciting episodes coming up real soon so look out for those but until next time bye for now.